Uh, Michigan week, Hawkeye Insider here, David Eichel, along with Sean Bogg, gearing up for the, the biggest matchup in the Iowa season so far. Iowa 4-0, traveling up to Ann Arbor. Uh, and Sean and I are going to be making the trip. A l- little bit of a drive, but, uh, you know, seeing the big house, we're going to be able to kind of knock that off our bucket list. So, uh, Sean, how, how excited are you for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, seeing the big house will make up for spending eight hours or six and a half hours there and then six and a half hours back in the car with David. So that's that's definitely a good trade-off. No offense to you, David, but... Um, no, it was, but it's it's fine. I can handle it. It's a good week, though. Yeah, no, I've been looking forward to it. Um, this whole week has been kind of busy, so... But, I mean, wouldn't want to have it any other way. It's good that... It's fun to see an Iowa team that's having a lot of success early on and. Same thing with the Michigan team, I guess you could argue, also having its fair share of success, but also some uh, difficulties that we'll, we'll talk about later in the podcast. But should be should be a really fun matchup. Yeah, it really should. You know, I did pick before the season, I picked Iowa to go 10-2. And with the way kind of both teams are shaking out, I, I'm not entirely sure who I'm going to pick because – I think Iowa's impressed me in some ways, but obviously the injuries that they're going to have to overcome during this game. And uh, Michigan's struggling a little bit, but Michigan's Michigan. Name brand program, a lot of talent, a good coaching staff, great fan base, supportive fan base, demands excellence. But there's a lot of – I mean, there's a lot of things going on in this game, Sean, because this is kind of the first game where – you look at for Iowa and if they win this, then bigger goals, you know, start becoming a little bit more realistic, maybe a shot at, you know, winning the West, maybe a 10 win regular season, maybe all this stuff. So, and even, you know, I, I would argue this is a huge game for Nate Stanley's legacy, especially considering his, his struggles on the road during his career. He, he kind of has a chance to, you know, solidify himself uh, if he goes in the big house and, and comes out with a big win. I didn't get a chance to talk to Stanley during the media availability today, but I'm sure once he got those questions, he was kind of like, eh, it's just another game, like kind of downplayed a lot. And that was kind of the whole story of this whole, of all the players today. They kind of seen. I know Amir Smith-Marset was saying that he was excited to play in the big house, but to him, it was just another game. And that's how everyone's treating it too. I mean, like with Michigan, such a big name brand program, obviously they've had their success on the field. Um, and just a huge, huge atmosphere there in Ann Arbor. Um, so it's easy to really get caught up in the hype and kind of get your let your emotions get the best of you. But this Iowa team seems relaxed. They're an experienced group. Um, got some young talent on the team, but overall they're pretty experienced um, and seem to be pretty, pretty prepared for what's to come and don't really seem to be bothered too much by the, by the bright lights, even though it's during the day. Yeah, and, you know, I think that was one of the questions that a reporter asked Kirk today about going in the big house and, you know, kind of keeping those younger players in control. Uh, and they, they basically asked him, well, do you have the, do you have enough experience? Do you have enough leadership at the right positions? And Kirk just basically had an emphatic yes. Nate Stanley at quarterback. A.J. Epinesa with all the hype surrounding him, leading that defensive line. Cedric Lattimore being from Michigan, fourth-year senior, I mean, they, they do – Michael Ojemudia, fifth-year senior defensive back. Iowa has a lot of players who have played big-time games, and they've traveled to them, and they, they've won some big-time games. Uh, but So this is just another another day for them. But, 
You know, I, I do think that Iowa really did downplay going into big house. They, they expressed a lot of respect and admiration for the program that Michigan is, but they're not worried about that. They don't care what the crowd looks like. They don't care where they're going. All they know is Iowa has goals in front of them. This is the team that they need to beat. This is the next up on the journey to go attain those goals. And they, they believe in themselves. And I, I think that's already a big mental hurdle, at least from what, you know, seeing and hearing what they said today, it seems like they're on the right path. Uh, and we'll, we'll see kind of how they show up on Saturday. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing going into it too. Um, I get it. It's a big game. Obviously it's Michigan, but I think when you have that consistent mindset and these guys are kind of molded to really think at one game at a time and really not outshine their or overthink an opponent, um, that definitely helps. And I think that's, that's something that Iowa has kind of, kind of been underrated as a sense over the past couple of years. Cause I think that's kind of been their mindset in all the big games they played and with the big 10 conference schedule. Um, it's easy to get wrapped up with some of those games against Ohio State and Michigan. I think that's why they had so much success, um, except Penn State recently. haven't had much success with them, but um, I think that's why they're in these games and really at the top competing in their conference. Yeah, you know, I, I think we should just kind of – we won't spend any time on Middle Tennessee. If you wanted to get our final thoughts on that, we recorded a podcast immediately after – after the 48-3 win over them, we might reference it, but we're not going to spend any time talking about that because the matchup this weekend. So I guess, Sean, let, let's kind of just dive into this Michigan team a little bit. Very, you know, I, I was afraid they were a tad overhyped because they lost a lot of guys on defense. I mean, they lost Devin Bush. They lost Chase Winovich. Um, and they, they only returned five starters from last year's great defense. So, I mean, they've thrust a lot of guys in those uh, – you know, those key roles and they haven't lived up to the expectations so far, but it's still Michigan, a lot of talent. And Don Brown, I still think is a very, very respected and a very good defensive coordinator, but I guess the defense is really what pops out to me. They're 94th in the country in rushing defense. Um, although they are third in the country in passing defense, but it's a little bit difficult. I think to kind of get the true analysis of what kind of defense they are, because they played against Army, and Army does not throw the ball. They threw the ball five times, completed two for 43 yards total. Uh, and they played Rutgers, which we, we don't really need to talk about why. Rutgers, Rutgers is Rutgers. Um, but, you know, I will say this this does not look like a typical stout Michigan defense uh, to this point. They've been over, you know, they, they've been the lesser physical team in at least two against Wisconsin against Army, I'd argue they were, you know, I think I wouldn't put it past them. And those guys are hungry and motivated, especially with a fan base that is really, really anxious to kind of get back on the right track. Right. And I think with Michigan, what you're going to get, um, obviously the defensive line missing guys like Rashawn Gary from last year. Um, the big thing there is just they look better against Rutgers. There's no doubt about that. But it's kind of tough to see where you test against a team like Wisconsin, who we saw highlights, we saw the game, we saw a couple pictures on Twitter, and their offensive front is just unbelievable. And with Michigan, you got some inexperienced guys, not as talented guys. You're going to have troubles with them, no doubt. And we saw that completely there. Um, Rutgers, like I said, it looked improved, but there's still some areas where you're kind of like, ah, maybe, maybe Iowa should just – I mean, we've always talked about – throwing the ball, opening up the passing game to start. But 
I think against Michigan, the one thing you're going to want to do is get it on the ground early. We saw against Middle Tennessee State, I mean, obviously Middle Tennessee State, but Iowa did a good job of establishing run, the running game early. I remember Makai Sargent on the first drive had multiple drive, or multiple runs of like seven or eight, then broke out for a couple more. And that was kind of the whole the whole trend of the game was kind of that way on each drive where they just get a run, get another run, pass, get the open field, and then kind of go from there. I think with Michigan, that's one thing you're going to have to do well too is make sure you get those guys involved. Maybe even go four running backs at times if someone's not working. Keep giving them different looks. Get them off balance. I think that's I think that's going to be a key in this one, just getting all those running backs involved because they all bring something different to the table. We know Tyler Goodson brings sort of a speed and wiggle that we haven't really seen from an Iowa running back since you could say Ekman Wiley, but I think Goodson seems a little more advanced than Wiley does at this point. But Kai Sargent mm-hmm. brings that sort of speed and kind of just traditional running back. Same thing with Torn Young or power back. And I think Kelly Martin, who didn't play against Middle Tennessee State or didn't play really many meaningful snaps, is a guy I really like that I think could add a little more little more flair to that, that tailback role. I mean, he's not the popular pick over a guy like Tyler Goodson, who's a freshman and who seems to be a fan favorite, as you wrote earlier this week, Dave. Um, but I think – Kelly Martin and Goodson are two guys that you're gonna you're gonna need in a game like this because that they bring that different dynamic, they bring something different, and if you can get a defense to keep guessing with those guys, that that could mean that can mean good things for the offense. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, he, what I think back, you know, again, I, I think Don Brown's a great defensive coordinator. I think back to the upset that Iowa had against Michigan a couple of years ago. Akron Wiley carried Iowa in that game. Because of his running style, because of the speed, because of the different kind of moves and wiggle he has, and I, I think they're going to need that again. I think Tyler Goodson's play, uh, play style matches up well with this. Um, Makai Sargent has been very good uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, making things happen, and he's much quicker, I feel like, this year, Sean. like His cuts just look so much more decisive, and he just looks so much more comfortable in the offense. And, you know, I've said that Tyler Goodson's nipping at the heels of Torn Young and Makai Sargent, but you know, you got to give respect where it's due, I think, to Torn Young because Torn Young's averaging 7.2 yards a carry this season. I mean, he's been no scrub. Uh, he broke off the 52 yarder last weekend against Middle Tennessee, but you know, I, I think you're exactly right. I think Iowa needs to run early and run often because, like I said, that front has been pushed apart. Uh, through these four games, and they're, they are going to be hungry to prove themselves against a physical Big Ten team like Iowa, who prides themselves on 
you know, dominance, powers, uh, technique, and kind of fundamental, fundamentally sound football. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I think Iowa needs to run the ball early, and I think they need to, uh, I think, utilize the middle of the field, as in when the crossing routes, like a Brandon Smith, Amir Smith, Marset. We've seen what they've done with those seven, eight yard routes, Sean, over the middle. They've turned into something, I think, a lot better than last year. Uh, I, I do think that Michigan has a pretty decent secondary, especially really uh, good secondary. Know, I, th- I think, especially on the outside. So I don't know how much you're really going to want to do those one-on-one challenges unless they get a step on them. But I mean, there, there, there are no scrubs back there in that secondary. Again, they're third in the nation right now in passing yards allowed. Granted, you know you, you have taken consideration who they played, but I mean, Lavert Hill, first team coaches media, all Big Ten last year. Uh, he had 19 career pass breakups, four interceptions, 15 pass breakups. He's a guy I think you're going to want to look for. Uh, and they also bring back uh, Josh Met- Metellus, and he he's a pretty stellar guy out of the back too. So I don't know how much you're really going to want to challenge deep unless you're going to maybe an Amir Smith-Marset or a uh, maybe a fade, like a 20-yard fade to maybe Brandon Smith in the back of the end zone because – I mean, I, I'd argue Stanley's best uh, ball that he's thrown this year, at least a couple, have been his fade his fade passes uh, to the corners. We saw that last week, the Mir smith set on a 33-yard gain. We saw it to Oliver Martin in the first game of the year. So I, I, I do think that Iowa needs to get the ball going early on the ground, and I think they need to stick with that, especially because it'll open up that play-action game, which I think Michigan could bite on because they're replacing so much experience, not used to kind of that pro-style that Iowa runs and that also just alleviates pressure off Nate Stanley. He's been in this spot before. Uh, and I think a good running game is going to bring him a lot of confidence, uh, you know, as the game goes along. Right. And you kind of took the words right in my mouth. I, I honestly think, listen to what you had to say. You look at this game. Um, we touched on the Michigan defense, but I think, I mean, a lot of people talk about opening up the field for the passing game. Um, but I think this is a game where you're <laughs> Iowa's going to win this game if they just play traditional Iowa football. That doesn't mean all smash mouth, but that means getting those little quick slants, those little screen plays, those plays that really don't mean much right away. But if you kill, if you keep building up on those plays and keep kind of getting those short yardage gains, maybe five, six yards, seven, eight yards through the air, four or five yards on the ground, that's going to frustrate the defense. That's going to make them tired and that's going to throw them off, and that's what's going to get you kind of those open plays downfield potentially that can really open up the game and really kind of put your offense in a really good position. Yeah, you know, I think bringing up really quick, I think a huge, you know, I guess sigh of relief for Iowa, especially going into Big Ten play. Alaric Jackson is slated to return this week, uh, all Big Ten offensive tackle. And pro football focus uh, rated him last year as the third best run blocker in the conference and Iowa's run games already shown great improvement. So you get a guy like Alaric Jackson back. I mean, that, that only makes it more dangerous. And something we we've touched on a little bit in each podcast, Sean, but I think it's worth bringing up again, Tyler Linderbaum, I think is a huge reason why Iowa's run blocking is, I mean, run game is accelerated, which is incredible for a retro freshman who just switched to center during bull threat. But According to Pro Football Focus, Tyler Linderbaum is the fourth highest graded run blocking center in the country, regardless of freshman or whatever. And, that, that, you know, I think that's just a credit to the Iowa staff, Tim Polsek, and 
Tyler Linderbaum for being willing to switch to center because right now it's proven to be a great move for his career, great move for Iowa. And that's I think that's why Iowa's had so much success running the football this year. I agree. I agree. And I think the center too, um, obviously the tackles are pretty much the most important part of the offensive line, left tackle most. You got a righty quarterback to protect that blind side, but center's kind of that piece that really brings everyone together. I think without Tyler Linderbaum up there, without his leadership and without his kind of just leading by example and his strong performance on the field, I think kind of the moving around with the offensive line would not be as kind of, I wouldn't say smooth, but that's the word I kind of want to use here. I think it'd be a lot more rugged and a lot more questioning with the offensive line after the Alaric Jackson injury. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. So, I mean, like you said, I think Iowa's offense just needs to run the football, stay healthy, uh, and it'll open up for the pass game because I do think the route's over the middle, and I think that the passes downfield will come, but get five, six yards of carry, wear down that Michigan defensive front because if that happens, I like Iowa's odds to win. I, I think it, it's – I don't want to say it's that simple, but I think that's my top key for the game is if Iowa can run the football – I think they're going to be in great position to win. It sounds like the most Iowa thing ever, but I think specifically in this matchup, it I, I, I think that's just what it is. Switching really quick, we're going to flip to the, uh, you know, start talking about the Iowa defense, but uh, good, some good news on that front. We're going to have uh, – Iowa's getting Julius Brents back from injury. He's not going to start. But he he is going to be available for some sub packages and in special teams. Wait, did Tom, did he say he was going to play, or does that mean he said he was going to play, but he's not going to start? They said okay. you'll likely see him on special teams, and you will see him in sub packages, and that's a huge boost to Iowa secondary. I'm not sure. I believe Kirk 100. percent I think he's trying to play it down a little bit because I have a hard time seeing. Julius Brents at six foot three, 205 pounds, not playing when they're going up against a very big and very talented Michigan Wolverine wide receiver core, yep. who, who I do think is a top three wide receiver group in the country, just based off pure upside and talent. I mean, you can go up and down that list. I mean, uh, Tarek, Tarek Black, Donovan Peoples Jones. I don't think Peoples Jones is 100%, but he is going to play. Ronnie Bell has been a nice surprise for them. Uh, led the team in uh, receiving yards in three games this year. And, I mean, they, they got some dudes in that Nico wide Collins. Nico Collins. I mean, they, they got some guys that – this is going to be, I think, the big welcome to Big Ten football for DJ Johnson. He's really impressed me since that first half of Iowa State. But this is, I think, by far his biggest challenge to date. Definitely. And that's what all the Iowa players, all the defensive backs I talk to um, – kind of mentioned I I usually have one or two questions that I like to ask each position group during media um and the one today was just like what do you see out of this Michigan it was a pretty broad question but it was just what do you see out of this Michigan wide receiver group I mean obviously there's a lot of talent and they said yep a lot of talent a lot of speed and just big physical guys too you look at Michigan's wide receivers I don't have it right in front of me um but they all seem to stack up pretty big height wise and just you look them on film too and it's not like I mean they got speed they got some finesse to them but they're just big dudes and that way college football is going now is you see a lot of guys that are 
more kind of that speed, more kind of that get into the open field, get them on some short routes, whatnot, and they'll go to work. But these guys are physical. They'll beat you on the deep ball. They'll jump over you. Um, let's see. Let's look at the ones right now. Um, but, no, I, I think you're exactly right, though, Sean. I mean, I you hate to just be so broad and basic about but they're big, they're strong, they're athletic, and they yeah. catch about everything yeah. that comes to them. Like, let's see here. Tariq Black, 6'3", 215. Um, going on those. Nico Collins, 6'4", 222. There's a few more, but you kind of – you get the idea there. They're just – yeah, they're big dudes. They can move well. They're physical. Um, that's going to be tough because, I mean, you look at Iowa's secondary and Julius Brent, he's going to need to be back. Like, that's that's going to be huge, getting him back into the floor. I definitely think that's going to be something to look out for because if you get him back, you kind of have a guy that can match up with them and there's maybe one or two, one or two mismatches outside of him, but that's a lot better than having two at a minimum, three at max when yeah. it comes to size and strength. Yeah, you know, I think a couple of big things, Sean, to keep in mind about this Michigan offense is, first of all, at least to me, their offensive line's been disappointing this year for as good as they should have been. So that's something I'm interested in seeing. How are they going to be able to hold up? Is Phil Parker really going to attack Shea Patterson? Because Shea Patterson this season has not been good under pressure. He's been turning the ball over. I mean, there a lot of fumbles, Sean. I mean, he's not been able to hang on the ball. Uh Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just throw some bad passes when you get him under pressure. So I, I do think that there's going to be a quarterback spy. I think Nick Neiman is going to see some blitzes from that 4-3. Let Epinesa go inside. I mean, we saw Davion Nixon line up as a defensive end last week, and that really threw off Middle Tennessee offensive line. So, I mean, that that wouldn't surprise me to see that. Um, another thing about this, this Michigan team that's a little bit surprising, it really shows how valuable – you know, I guess former Iowa commit, uh, running back commit, uh, Karan Higdon was to that team because they have not been able to get anything going on the ground either. Shea Patterson had four touchdowns last week against Rutgers, but three of them were running the football. And right now, they, they just have not had success running the football. Right now, they're 10th in the Big Ten, 94th in the nation in rushing offense at just over 130 yards a game. And when you're going up against an Iowa team that – is one of two teams that has not allowed a rushing touchdown this year, along with Georgia. It, it just doesn't match up well. And despite Iowa's secondary being incredibly beat up, I think some under-the-radar stars for this Iowa team this year has been the linebackers. Jimon Colbert's been great. Uh, Christian Welch is leading the team in tackles, and it's not even close with 31 through four games. So, I mean, it just – it just Iowa typically does not falter in games – when opposing teams do one thing well. So if Michigan does not run the football well against Iowa, and if Iowa secondary can at least hold up or the defensive defensive line and linebackers get enough pressure on Patterson, 
I, I think that's just going to be huge, especially in this game. Make Patterson beat you through the air. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, if Iowa's defensive line is the more physical team and wears down that that uh, Michigan offensive front, I, I think that's a huge key for Iowa if, if they sack Patterson a few times and make him afraid. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's one thing that you can't do with some of these top uh, quarterbacks. We've seen it. Um, Last year in the national championship, uh, when Tua was getting pressured, he kind of struggled at times. Um, and even earlier this year, too, with some of the other top quarterbacks. Uh, it's I get it when you kind of stay back and you want to be in coverage, zone coverage, but I think the best thing possible is when you're putting pressure on the quarterback. And I know that's a cliche, but it's true because, I mean, that gives the quarterback multiple things to worry about. He's got to worry about getting sacked. He's got to worry about moving around the pocket. He's got to worry about finding an open receiver, making sure his throws online. So many other things. And when you have guys rushing the quarterback, those just that just makes sitting in the pocket and kind of find those receivers much harder because they got the less time to react and the less time to really kind of pick out what they want to do and whether that's running the ball, throwing the ball. And we saw against Wisconsin that Shea struggled when that happened. Wisconsin put pressure on him, made him uh, made him force force him a lot of mistakes, made him really uncomfortable, and he got pulled at halftime. So I think if Iowa can do that, I think this is going to be a huge game for the defensive line. I know a lot of people say, yeah, I mean, defensive line hasn't done much this year, which you could say we really hyped up the defensive line coming into the season, but Epinephesis produced, I mean – by produce, I mean he hasn't had the most the best stats ever. But when you look at that defensive line, you're like, okay, I feel a lot better about Cedric Lattimore after he had that sack last week. I feel a lot better about Davion Nixon after he had seven tackles. Yeah, Davion Nixon was a monster last week. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Chauncey Golson to kind of break out. But same with some of these other guys too. I mean, Zach Van Valkenburg seems to be like a guy that can produce it to some extent. And a few others. I mean, Brady Reef, once he gets back healthy, looked solid too his first game. Um, but I think that is kind of what AJ's whole job is, though, because he's going to draw a double and triple, maybe even triple. I'm stretching a little bit with triple teams, but he's going to add double teams. And that's going to make one or two guys, that's going to give him a gap to really get into the quarterback, get into the pocket, make things uncomfortable. And I think, I don't know necessarily how Michigan plans on doing it, but I assume that they're going to throw different looks at AJ and Phil Parker has kind of Phil Parker and Kelvin Bell have those kind of situations lined up and like, okay, when this happens, when this block, you're going to do this, 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 that, 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 what, what have you. Um, I think they have something up their sleeve that can make, that can make this defensive line really, really produce at a much higher level than they have before. Yeah, you know, I, I do think it's interesting because I think you're right. From the face value, it wouldn't seem that Iowa's defensive line is produced, but you turn on the tape, and the first thing that strikes me, Sean, is it, it just looks like offenses are trying to play Iowa's defense different. They're much more quick pass, much more quicker passes. There's not five step drops, wait for a route to develop and throw, much less of that. A lot of quick routes over the middle a lot of out routes, a lot of check downs, a lot of just, you know, two seconds or less, the quarterback has the ball out of his hands because AJ is still getting pressure. I think I saw a stat a couple of days ago. 
AJ is still third in the Big Ten in quarterback pressures, and he's being double and triple teamed every time. Like he's still producing, and you're right, Chauncey Golston's been, I think, the, even more than Epinesa in terms of pure stats. Chauncey Golston has just been, I don't want to say disappeared, but he has not produced to the way I thought he would. And it does make sense to me that Golston really breaks out in this game because he's going back home. Keep in mind, he's from Detroit. So if he's going to have a breakout game this season, it would make sense that would be the lone trip for him back to the big house. And I think he's going to be one of my my impact players that you're going to want to look for. But Davion Nixon showed me a lot. It's against Middle Tennessee. People can say that or whatever, but he looks like he's really starting to develop. I mean, when in that post-game press conference, you and I talked about after the press conference, Sean, but uh, Davion Nixon is – a lean 310 pounds. Like there is not much baby fat on him. He is a big, strong, he's just a big, strong dude. And I think that's going to do wonders for him in this big 10 season. Yeah, no, I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat as you. I think with Davion, I mean, we saw him in the press conference last week too. He is cut so well and just looks like, just looks like a beast. And he's moved a lot better too from his film. Uh, from high school and even some of Juco ball, he seems to be moving, moving a lot better. And just that game like that, man, just builds your confidence and gets you kind of being like, okay, with these, with these guys, and I can do this. Like I can get, I can get mine during a game. I mean, I think with him too, he's kind of learning more of the, some of the other things, more like kind of the spy, like the QB spy, or just not necessarily rushing the quarterback, but maybe kind of stuffing the running back and making sure maybe they only get two, three yards instead of six, seven yards, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, once you get a game like that under your belt, everything seems to really seem slower on the field. And I think too, that's going to be a thing with Chauncey Golston is he's going to have a game where he's going to break out and he's going to produce. It's just a matter of getting that one game where you're kind of like, okay, uh, I can get this going. I can get things really under my belt. I can perform at a high level, higher than I had before. And I think that this game's definitely a big, a big one in that regard. And you know, flipping back over the offensive side for uh, for Michigan. Actually, let me let me read this stat real quick that kind of backs up why we're so Iowa needs to run the football well under Kirk Ferentz. Uh, when Iowa rushes for 150 or more yards. They're 101 and 17. So I think that that's a massive key that if Iowa does that, then I think that that might be the magic number uh, because Iowa just has so much more confidence. It, it'll really allow Brian Ferentz to do what he wants. So I, I keep an eye out on that. But flipping back over to the offensive side of the ball for Michigan, I mean, we've kind of talked about already, but Shea, I think Shea Patterson needs to win this game through the air. And I think the receivers need to make plays. The thing that kind of stands out to me about Patterson right now is he's averaging over 13 yards completion when he when he gets going. And that that's a dangerous number because if those receivers get out in open space, I mean, you know, they, they, they might be gone. But, you know, when you when you look closer, I'm a big numbers guy. I know a lot of people are. I'm, I'm a big numbers guy. I like looking at the competition and kind of breaking things down. So Michigan and Iowa have played two common opponents, Rutgers. And Mill, Tennessee. So let's just keep that in mind as I kind of read these numbers. But, you know, you, you go down the list, Sean, and nothing about Michigan's offense really pops out at you besides the pure talent. And they still have talent. 
and I'm not saying they're not going to be able to produce against Iowa. I'm not saying that. But total offense, 10th in the Big Ten. Rushing offense, 10th in the Big Ten. Pass efficiency, 10th in the Big Ten. Completion percentage, 12th in the Big Ten. Fumbles lost, 125th in the nation with seven. Uh, turnovers lost, 110th in the nation. Red zone offense, 95th in the nation. Uh, 100, you know, 54th in the nation scoring offense. Like this isn't a typical Michigan team that's going to blow you out of the water, but they're still transitioning into Josh Gass's system. And I think by late to, you know, mid to late season, they might kind of, you know, have it under their wings a little bit more. But, you know, Iowa's defense is held strong, fourth in the nation in scoring defense. There are a lot of uh, some deficiencies I've seen, but Iowa, I think Kirk Ferentz summed it up best today, Sean. Iowa's just found a way to survive through the injuries. And now, now we're starting to see some guys back. So we'll see if those guys can come back in and kind of carry on that momentum that their backups have kind of built so far. Yeah, having those guys back would be a big plus. It's kind of crazy to think Iowa's played at the level they played. I mean, granted, the competition hasn't been hasn't been spectacular, but still, you look at their wins, Iowa State, big win. Regardless of what they did against Baylor this week, uh, Middle Tennessee, blowout win, Rutgers, blowout win, Miami, Ohio, blowout win. Games that you needed to win by big margins, they did. And that's kind of a testament to a big team or a good team, too. Really winning those games convincingly like they did. So, I mean, I, I guess let's, we kind of broke down our keys to the game, kind of broke down some basic numbers uh, for Michigan, for Iowa. But I, I guess I'll, I'll you know start with you, Sean, before I go. But who's kind of that guy to watch on Iowa's offensive side and defensive side? Who needs to have a big game for Iowa to come out with a win? I think I'm going with one of the wide receivers. I think it could be Amir Smith and Marset, just based on how talented that Michigan core secondary group is, how quick they are, um, and just how talented overall they are. I think ISM's going to have a huge game um, to really kind of steer the ship with offensively and really get them to that next level that they need to win this game. I think Brian Smith's going to have a big role too, as he always does, but I think ISM's going to be the difference maker. And uh, I guess for me offensively, you know, I, I hate to be the basic guy, but I think, I'm not going to go Nate Stanley, but I think Nate Stanley needs to have his one of his most efficient games he's had in his career. Uh, and I, th- I think Makai Sargent needs to average about six yards a carry. I think he needs to be that constant engine that kind of, goes full throttle and helps push Iowa's offense to the next level. And I'd really like to see some Tyler Goodson. I, I you know, he's not going to redshirt this year. He's a change of pace. He can make guys miss and he, he's proven that he can hold on to the football and he's not small. He's a lot stronger than I gave him crap for, but I'll, I'll go Makai Sargent. Before we switch over to our defensive players to watch, Sean, I, I think we should mention uh, really quick, by the way, Kayvon Merriweather is going to play. He's from Belleville, uh, Belleville, Michigan as well. So he'll be a little bit of a homecoming for him. Not probably won't start. Jack Kerner, the walk-on from Dallin Catholics, get a start. He's also started the last couple games. But Merriweather is going to play. But it's also worth mentioning that this is the homecoming for Oliver Martin. Uh, and I'm very interested to see if Brian Ferentz and them have come up with a maybe, you know, a couple plays for him because Oliver knows that Michigan team. He went through spring practice with Josh Gaddis and kind of that system before he elected a transfer. And this is the only game 
uh, that he he's coming back for. Uh, he'll be back at the big house for during the rest of his Iowa career. So I'm interested to see what, what Oliver Martin does and how, how big of an impact he'll have. And if he's helping a little bit with the scouting report or if they're just, you know, business as usual, but I, I do think that's worth mentioning, but Sean, Sean, who's your, uh, who's your defensive player to watch? This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, man. I want – this is just so many key things. Because you want to go with the defensive line just because you can shape Patterson, but you also want the secondary – I got to go with DJ Johnson. I think he's going to be huge depending on who he's matched up with because we don't want to turn into a – or Iowa fans don't want to turn into a situation where it's like a Manny Rugamba and Purdue thing where they just threw it to the same receiver four times back to – or four times in a row, and he just got it every time and ultimately ended up in a touchdown. We don't need something like that. I mean, I know DJ Johnson's not the type to do that, but – you look at the size and just the difference. Jonathan's obviously a pretty well-built guy, but Michigan's receivers are so physical and can kind of really bring out the worst in you because of their talent. So I definitely – I'm going to go with DJ Johnson on this one for for that sake, kind of just carry the whole defense. Um, I think that's kind of one that makes the most sense. Yeah, you know, that I was kind of debating that myself because I do see a – like you mentioned the, uh, the Purdue game last year where they kind of – in two years ago where they kind of, you know, they, they picked on an Iowa DB and I, I can see absolutely see Josh Gass and Jim Harbaugh doing that to, you know, a very injury riddled Iowa secondary. Um, so I'm not going to go the same player. I'm going to go Chauncey Golston. I, I think I talked myself into him during, during this podcast, but I think Chauncey Golston, he's been very quiet this year. And I, I think people have kind of forgotten, you know, I think people forgot how good he was because, he was a Iowa uh, had three fumbles ranked six in the nation led the big 10 I believe he had nine and a half tackles for loss but he hasn't had tackle for loss this year he's had one quarterback kit and only 10 total tackles and that that just does not you know if you would have told me that Iowa's 4-0 and Epinesa and Golson have a combined you know, I'm off the top of my head maybe 22 tackles combined I, I wouldn't believe you because I would have said those two edge guys need to pace that defensive line, but you know, stranger things have happened and, and here we are. So I'll, I'll go with Chauncey Golson. I also think if he has a big game, it'll open up things for Davion Nixon, Austin Schulte, AJ Epinesa even, and Cedric Lattimore, who's making his homecoming as well. Uh, but before we move on to, uh, we're going to touch on a little bit of basketball recruiting because that's been, I think, heating up, especially over the past, what, Sean, 10 days, 10 days, yeah. two weeks. Um, I hate doing this, and I, I've changed my mind because I will do it too. Sean, give me your uh, – you don't have to give me an exact score, but who wins on Saturday and why? Ah, uh, man. I still – I think I'm going to go Michigan. 
I just think Iowa, I mean, I know they've had success against Jim Harbaugh, but I just think Michigan, this is the type of game that they, they're able to steal. They're not steal this one, but they're able to get this one. I do. I do think everything's lined. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It will be close throughout, but I think I'm going to go with the big, with them getting the way at the big house. Yeah, and you know, I I, I might flip flop flip flop my my pick as well. I mean, just throughout the week because I'm I'm kind of going one way, you know, or the other. But I think I think based on two common opponents, and I I picked Michigan at the beginning of the year, but based on what I've seen on film between the two teams, common opponents, who's more structurally sound, who's better? I think both, you know, on the line of scrimmage. Whose quarterback's been more efficient? And I, I hate doing this, but I, I am gonna I'm gonna flip my pick from my preseason. I'm gonna go Iowa in a very very close game. I think Stanley knows that this game is very important. His legacy. He needs that road Big Ten win over a premier opponent to continue to kind of solidify his name in in Hawkeye history. Man, I, I might change my pick about five more times throughout this week, Sean. It, it's gonna be tough. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go Iowa. Thirty to twenty-four. I think it's my prediction right now. I, I think I think Iowa runs the ball efficiently. I think Larrick Jackson coming back is massive. Tristan Wirfs, the offense tackle, probably you know arguably top ten NFL twenty twenty pick, was not as best last game, and I think he's gonna be hungry for a bigger turn game. He combined those two tackles with Linderbaum and. I, I see Iowa at least having a very good run game. Sean, we, we do have a couple questions. I think we've answered most of them, uh, you know, unintentionally throughout the podcast. But but there is there's one that kind of stuck out to me, and I, I think it's a pretty simple answer, but I think it's one that needs to be said. But the question is, you know, how, how good is this Iowa team? They, they've beaten three, you know, eh teams and one, and one good team uh, in Ames, which was a tough place to play. And I think Iowa State – especially in October is going to get their, you know, get together. But do we really know what Iowa is yet? And I, you know, I, I guess Sean, I'll, I'll kind of let you take the lead on this one. I don't think we really know at this point. I mean, you look at the defense, there were some backups coming in. We haven't really gotten that full lineup yet. I don't know if we ever will, but I assume that we will. We'll get that full lineup of starters in the secondary. Um, I think offensively still, I mean, offensive line has been great. The other Position groups have all their guys, but I think once Alaric Jackson gets back at tackle, we'll know a little bit more there. Defensively, like I said, the secondary, I think that group could be even better once they get everyone back. Shocking, but it's true. Once you once you have all your starters healthy, that's your better team. But I do think I do think we'll learn a lot more about this team this week. I don't I think Iowa State was definitely a big start. I think that kind of shows the resilience of this group and how how they can kind of then the whole next man up mentality is a legit thing for them. Um, but I think we'll learn a lot this weekend. You know, and, and I'll preface my answer with this. Uh, in terms of I think this team could be better than the 2015 team, which went 12-0 and in the regular season, made the Rose Bowl. But that 2015 team had a chemistry unlike anything, at least I wasn't covering the team at the time, but talking to some of the other writers, they said the chemistry is they had was unbelievable. Um, and that this team could still accomplish that chemistry, but they got to get, I think, some of the guys back in the lineup. 
But the real answer, I think, Sean, is we'll find out in two weeks. Michigan, Penn State, back-to-back weekends. Iowa splits. I think they have a good team. If Iowa, you know, somehow finds a way to win both, I think this could be one of those years where Kirk Ferentz kind of pulls it out. People projecting seven and five, eight and four, but Iowa had a lot of talent in the right places, and and they they made the most of it. But in all reality, the wide receivers, I think have really propelled this offense forward. I think the running back by committee has worked out nice. Third-year senior, uh, third-year star senior quarterback, Nate Stanley, has been huge. But if they get the secondary pieces back and they find a way to at least split, um, I think we have a pretty good Iowa team on our hands. But I think I think the real answer is we're going to find out in in two weeks, in two weeks' time, what, what they really are. Uh, because then you kind of get in that stretch of Purdue, which is very in- – you think Iowa's injury-reeled? Man, Purdue is, looks like an infirmary right now. I mean, they they have everybody out, uh, and a Northwestern team that is struggling. But Pat Fitzgerald knows how to get those guys together in October. But this, this Iowa team, I think, has a lot of potential. But simple answer is no. We don't know who Iowa is yet, but there's talent there that I think is going to continue to develop. Obviously, we'll have much more content previewing the game throughout the week. Stay tuned for our picks, our game day thoughts much more breakdown of these matchups. And again, I, I might flip-flop another four or five times. But uh, that, that's not for football right now. Before we end this show, Sean, I, I think I'll let you kind of take the lead on this, and I'll, I'll comment here and there. But the latest with basketball, Fran McCaffrey and company hosting two official visitors over the weekend and three-star shooting guard DJ Gordon, who's kind of been a rising prospect over the last couple of months. And – uh Four-star forward Jamari Sibley, who Fran McCaffrey has been recruiting at least for the past three years. Yeah, I'm just going to go and say I feel good about Iowa's chances with both these prospects right now, which is something I don't really say much when it comes to Iowa and basketball recruiting. But I do feel confident about one more than the other. We had 24-7 sports, national recruiting answer, insider. Brian Snow stopped by today. Um, on our HawkeyeInsider.com boards and drop a note on one of the visitors this weekend that you can check out on the site. Um, yeah, I do think – I do think if based on where things stand right now, I do think Iowa will get their second commit in the twenty nine or 2020 class soon. I don't know how soon, but I do feel confident that things are trending in the right direction. I don't know when exactly. There's still some time. It's just that's just where things stand right now. But I do, I do feel pretty pretty confident on that. And we'll see. But as of right now, I do feel I do feel somewhat somewhat good. You know, th- things can't change. But right? I think I think Fran kind of said, "Hey, like, you know, we don't we we need we'd love to have you. You're, you could be a, there's a big opening in our offense." I think, you know, especially what, Sean, maybe the next year or two, if Bohannon plays this year, which we're still not sure, maybe we'll find out a little bit more tomorrow during Big Ten Media Day. Uh, That'll be in uh, Chicago, Fran, and I think some of the players will be speaking there. Uh, So we'll we'll see about that maybe. But, uh, you know, Joe Wieskamp might be gone after this year if he likes to go pro. I still think there's a chance they can or he'll come back for a third year. Uh, Ryan Creener's going to be gone. You never know in today's college basketball world, people kind of transfer, people look for the best opportunities for themselves, which is a good thing for, for them. Like, for example, Macy Daly transferring, I believe, to Akron after putting in a very hard, uh, you know, three years of work in the black and gold. And 
made a nice little career for himself in Iowa, played some key minutes off the bench. But, uh, you know, now he gets to go to a place where he can be the focal point. Isaiah Moss going to Kansas, maybe a little bit more exposure for him. But that that's just the kind of attrition that typical basketball rosters have. So I think Frange said, hey, look, we our team made the second round of the NCAA tournament last year. We nearly made a sweet 16, had an historic comeback against Tennessee. Couldn't, couldn't quite pull it off, but there, there's opportunity there. And they had some results from last season to kind of – they can build off that this season with some of the talent they have returning with Luca Garza, uh, Joe Wieskamp, and some newcomers like Patrick McCaffrey, graduate transfer Bakari, uh, Bakari Evelyn. So it, it'll be an exciting time. I think over the next four weeks we're going to kind of merge into basketball season and combine it with football season. And that that's when things are kind of the most fun, Sean, because we, we just get – you know, two, three games a week, football and basketball, and it's life's, it's busy, but, you know, life's good. Yeah, it's definitely a grind, but I, I've i always been a big college basketball fan. It was actually my my number one sport heading into this coverage with Hawkeye Insider. So now football and basketball are kind of even, but I still get basketball lean in a sense. So I'm excited. I definitely am. But, yeah, we will have much more content previewing. Iowa, Michigan over at HawkeyeInsider.com. We're going to catch up with our friends at the Michigan Insider for a question exchange later in the week. We're going to just be doing a lot of stuff. And Sean and I are going to have full coverage uh, from Ann Arbor uh, between, you know, between the Iowa and Michigan matchup. But uh, we'll also have a post-game podcast after that. But stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon.